Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. And in case you can't tell, I'm a little stuffed up. I've got a little bit of a cold. I'm sitting here in Amsterdam praying that this is going to go away in the next day or two. But in the meantime, you get to listen to the latest podcast with Dr. Chanel Yoder. She is a DPT and the CEO and founder of Embody Boss LLC and the creator of The Enchantment Method, the very first digital marketing-based organic storytelling academy built exclusively with healthcare professionals in mind. Chanel combines her study of personality dynamics with the skilled implementation of emotional intelligence, communication, and vulnerability to effectively mentor clinicians seeking more fulfillment from their relationships and clinical career. So Chanel and I sat down for this conversation at the New York State Student Assembly or Student Conclave a couple of weeks ago. So we're outside in the beautiful New York sun, and we are talking about how a clinician can build trust through vulnerability, how to incorporate storytelling into your practice, when you should introduce industry knowledge into your patient's care, and Chanel's self-care tips to ensure you show up at every patient visit. So a huge thanks to Chanel, and if you want to learn more about her programs, you can head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, and we'll have one click to all of her great programs. And also, if you're looking to get into even more storytelling, let's say in front of an audience, doing a lot of public speaking, On December 8th, which is a Saturday from noon to 4 Eastern Standard Time, TEDx producer, producer, speakers who dare, writer, and choreographer and director Tricia Brooke will be putting on a half-day master class on public speaking, specifically geared toward healthcare professionals. So if you want to pick up your public speaking game, we have live in-person in New York City. Or you can also show up via the internet, so we have a remote option as well. So you can check out the Fearless Speaker link in the podcast for this week as well. So uh, enjoy Chanel's podcast, sign up to become a Fearless Speaker, and we'll see you all in a couple of days. Hey, Chanel, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm really happy happy that you asked. It's awesome. Yes, and just so people have a little... Uh, context as to where we are right now. We're at the New York State Student SIG Conference in New York City, and it's a beautiful day, and we're sitting outside. So if you hear some things in the background, like kids playing, that's what you're hearing. Um, And so Chanel gave a great talk this, uh, this morning on storytelling and how we as therapists can use storytelling to relate to our patients. So I'm going to turn it over to you now just to explain to the listeners what exactly that means. Um, Actually, I think that storytelling in terms of patient interaction becomes important when you are 
really trying to hone in on your relatability and kind of perfect that level of trust and respect that you want from someone in a very organic way. I think that um, it's very common for clinicians to, to feel as though they have to prove themselves or, or push more clinical jargon or push it more in, in that kind of a realm in order to earn more of those human qualities. When in fact, I think the more humanistic you can appear to someone else and the more humanistic you can make them feel about you, um, the easier it is for them to feel human reciprocated, I guess you could say. Um, and I think that it's, it becomes difficult as, as professionals and experts to kind of, I don't know, let your guard down and do that with someone, but it becomes so powerful in just transparency and getting someone to, I mean, be inspired and motivated and, um, you know, when you're really trying to transform someone's life from a health perspective, it becomes very important to reach them at a very deep level (laughs) that I think is very impossible to find from a strictly like clinical perspective. So, and you know, I, I tend to agree with that because I've used my personal story of I've had chronic neck pain for close to a decade and so I have used my personal story at times not so that I can quote unquote relate to the patient but more so for them to have some hope in their diagnosis Mm -hmm. and so what other examples can you I mean you gave a great example about a little bit of the history of your life Mm -hmm. and how you relate to patients so what other examples would would you um, like to share with people on how maybe they can use storytelling with their patients? I think that it's important to not forget the personal and emotional aspects that attach themselves to physical disability. So when you're working with patients who are struggling with ailments that are really impacting their life on many different levels, it's, it's all about finding the feeling that you have in common. So it's not even necessary, necessarily about common experiences all the time. Sometimes it's just about helping them understand that you have felt what they have felt and giving them perspective into, into that background. And it can just be really powerful, especially from a professional standpoint, for them to see that you are making an effort into um, kind of drawing those perspectives together. Um, personally... I tend to treat a lot of chronic disease management, lifestyle management type patients, and I just find that so much of the things they have going on that they struggle with can tie back into their relationships and um, just feeling stagnant and their lack of action and their lack of hope in regards to changing their lifestyle ties into um, self-worth issues and the way that the people in their life have made them feel. And so anytime I can interject and help I don't know, remind them, but also inspire them to understand that I totally understand how difficult it is to change your mindset and to, to look at the bigger picture. Uh, that's, that's what I try to do really with every patient. And, and I think that as therapists, we, when you're in school, this is a student conference, so when you're in school, of course you have to learn all the ins and outs of the anatomy and and different techniques and things like that. But it's really important to note that when that patient is coming to see you, that they're a whole person. Mm -hmm. And if we're 
if we all want to be treating through that biopsychosocial lens, which hopefully we all are, mm -hmm. then you have to take into consideration this person's beliefs and feelings mm -hmm. and the context in which they're coming to see you. Right. And so that's where being able to apply a little bit of your story can be very meaningful to that patient. Yes. Absolutely. No, it's very true. Um, it's just so important to understand as clinicians that so much of their outcome, like the, the level to which they can achieve depends on their, their true belief and whether or not we can help them, you know? And so it can't be as black and white as learn this, do this, fix this. Um, you have to take all of that, like you said, all of that context into consideration and apply it on a case-by-case -case basis. And I think that's the true skill that comes in being an amazing clinician is knowing how and when to use context knowing how and when to use good timing um, to interject some of these more human type communication uh, skills. So. Yeah, and I don't, and again, I'm glad that you said you have to know the timing because it's not an end-all be-all. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that your patient doesn't want to know mm -hmm. the physicality of why they're here to see you. They want to know how their muscles work and, mm -hmm. and how the nervous system works and how that affects it. And so I think it does depend on when that person is ready to get that information. So how do you determine when that person is ready to receive, whether it be very anatomical explanations of things, which I think you have to give, mm -hmm. yeah. versus uh, giving them more of maybe what might be viewed as a coaching session? Mm -hmm. I think, I actually personally judge a lot of things based off of body language and just overall facial facial demeanor. And, like, you can just tell when someone's kind of, like, lighted up and in a place where they're ready to receive information, take it, and then um, put it out into the world, like, as they're in their life, versus someone who just looks completely drained, someone who's very defeated. Um, I guess really, and that's the... That's one of, the, I guess, the soft skills of being a really good physical therapist is being able to read a person, um, investing in that relationship, seeing them, and then comparing that interaction off of previous interactions. And that's why I usually spend a lot of time during my initial eval um, because I really, a lot of the initial eval, obviously there's the physical assessment, but a lot of it is the interview and just a conversation, you know, because I want them to know that um, and know that I truly invest in that entire picture that they have. And oftentimes when a patient is coming to see a physical therapist, maybe they've seen one practitioner before you, maybe they've seen 20. And oftentimes they're not, what I hear from patients is I just want someone to listen to my whole story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, it's true. Um, people deduce physical therapy, quote unquote, as all physical therapy versus not understanding that it, it's an experience and it will vary between clinician to clinician. Um, and so you're absolutely right. Like so many people just want to be heard and they want to know that you truly um, respect where they're coming from versus just pushing your agenda and in and and a lot of respects our therapeutic plan of care is a bit of an agenda and so they just want to know that it goes it exceeds that boundary yeah right and something that you said during your talk today was that you want the patient to see you as a partner to see, to know that you're all in on their care. You're going to take 50% of that. Mm -hmm. If they take the 50% of them being all in on their own care, mm -hmm. and what happens when someone is not on that 50% side? Or mm -hmm. right, I think for me, the thing I would 
the thing I tend to do most is further examine and assess where they're at, like mentally and emotionally. Like, for what reason are you not meeting me where where I am? You know, um, and I think sometimes that comes down to again, home life, emotional issues, relationship issues. Um, and, you know, from my own experiences in relationship um, wisdom, I've, I've realized just how important that is for framing your mindset and most every other part of your life. So you're better off to not have a relationship at home versus have a bad one at home, you know? Yeah, I think we can all relate <laughs> to that one. Um, and now what happens if someone comes in to see you You've seen them a couple times, they were all in, and now they're non-compliant. Do you just give up on them and say, oh, well, they just stopped coming to see me? <laughs> how, do you, how do you deal with that? And, and how do you try and get to the bottom of their story as to maybe why they're not? I, I, yeah, I tend to always interject compassion. Like, if, if someone is detaching from me to that extent, I, I, in my mind, I completely detach myself from their plan of care and then completely look at them as a human and say what like what's going on that makes you kind of uh that's making you detach yourself from the goals that you stated the first time we met you know and it when I when I personally frame that like in my heart in that way I think it gives off a better energy to my patients and that they feel like it's less about me Mm -hmm. and it's more about what we're going to, what's the next step? You know, maybe the next step isn't what we had planned on last week, but we need to figure out what that next step is. Right. And sometimes the next step isn't with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Or us, shall yep. we say. Sometimes yep. the next step is a referral out to someone else. Right. Exactly. Um, absolutely. And thinking about, um, I think sometimes within PT, you go through different phases of behavioral modification and just having just instilling in the patient what they're like what level they're at in terms of their healing and so sometimes I've found that there's several weeks of time in which someone just needs time to process where they're at and what they need to do next you know um, before they see me again yeah but you never know until you ask the question absolutely yep absolutely don't I think then that's kind of what I was talking about in the talk today about being self-aware and and leaving your ego off this off the shelf because so oftentimes I think clinicians internalize someone else's choice based off of their own merit when yeah. really a lot of times it has to do with just where that person is at in their own emotional and mental space. So, yeah. yeah, there's no question. And I know I used to think if people say, oh, I'm decided to go with someone else or I'm doing this or, or I, they don't come back, I'm like, well, why do they not like me? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> why doesn't everyone just like me? Yes, yes. But it's not about me. No. You it's know, not, it's, it's about them. And, and you can... How many times, let's say someone just stops, they don't want to see you anymore, they stop coming back. How many times do you reach out to them and, and they never respond? Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened to me, but I will say that there have been times that I've seen people or seen patients and, like, the chemistry just wasn't there. Or like, they didn't, or, in, or I felt like they could get better a better experience from someone else. Mm-hmm. And just helping them understand that my door is always open if they feel like they want to return to the way I, that I do things um, and the way that I can help them but that I respect their choice and what the, you know what they want yeah. um, because we're not going to all jive with everybody and I think that's a huge mistake that I see a lot of PTs make is that they just try to serve everyone versus really thinking about who are the people they can serve best you know. Absolutely and, and also not taking their outcomes as a measure of your input. Mm-hmm. 
You know, you can't take responsibility for patients' outcomes. Because if Mm -hmm. you do, I feel like that's a quick way to burn out. Oh, yeah. It's a slippery, very slippery slope. I mean, it's... It's always nice to feel as though you're helping someone, but I will say that I get a lot more gratification from, um, I would say, the emotional transformation and just and the value of the lifestyle that a patient gets back to versus the specific outcome that happened. And I think that's the only way that I can manage when an outcome isn't there, too. You know, like, I'm so emotionally invested in my patients that I have to be very careful in not becoming too invested and then you know, throwing the whole baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, you know, when things don't go the way I would like them to. Sure. And how do you keep yourself, because you said you're so emotionally invested and you're a very empathic person. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people who go into PT do have a, a large sense of empathy within them. So how do you keep yourself, what do you do for your self-care to make sure that you don't take on everyone else's emotions and baggage, if you will, onto yourself every day when you leave the clinic or you leave your person's home. Right. Honestly, I think my relationship at home is very helpful in that my husband is very understanding and lets me vent and just lets me process things the way I need to. Um, Just having a sounding board, you know, just to get it out is helpful. Um, But also, I think a lot of personal development just in my own self, like a lot of reading and just continuing to remind myself that I'm on my own path just as my patients are on their own path and then I can't internalize the choices they make, you know, regardless. And what would be, since you said you do a lot of reading, can you give us one or two books or articles or authors that you feel like, I read this and boy, this made a big difference in the way that I function as a business owner, as a therapist, yeah. as a person even. Yeah. Um, really anything by Brene Brown. I Agreed. Lo- yeah, I love Brene Brown. Um, like, her work on vulnerability really changed my outlook in clinical care. And so that's thing, those are things that I continue to take in. Um, I could read her stuff all day long. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I saw her live last year. Awesome. Yes. So she was, uh, there's a museum here in New York called the Rubin Museum. Okay. And they had Chris Anderson, who now runs TED Talks. He was releasing his book oh, wow. on, on TED and uh-huh. speaking. and. Brene was interviewing him. Oh, wow. Um, but they ended up interviewing each other back and forth. Uh-huh. And it was really special. And that I was is. like That's so super cool. psyched. So mm-hmm. um, know that, you know, those, like you said, if you have that person who you has really made a difference in their life, mm-hmm. look for them because mm-hmm. they're around. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So I have one more question for you. Yeah. And that is knowing where you are now in your life, in your career, what advice would you give to yourself as a new grad fresh out of physical therapy school? Not oh PTA, my, because yeah. you went to PTA school yeah. first. Yeah. So let's talk fresh out of PT school. What advice would you give to yourself? Um, hmm. Probably to not assume that the career path that, that most PTs would want is the, the path that's right for me. And that it's okay to be different and it's okay to do new things and to kind of pioneer new territory and to not feel like you have to, you, you can't judge your own success based off of the merits of what other people find successful. Beautiful. And now where can people find you? Because I know you're on social media, so where can yes. people find you? And just so everyone knows, <laughs> this will all be on the website at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under Chanel's episode. But mm-hmm. where can people find you? 
Um, so I'm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Chanel DPT. And then on Instagram at the.embodyboss. The dot embody boss. Great. And <laughs> Chanel has programs for physical therapists to help them with their storytelling. And uh, you can find all of that uh, within her social, housed within her social media, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Perfect. So, Chanel, thanks so much for yes. taking the time out here in New York. Thank you. I've loved it. Thank you so much. Anytime. And everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.